Hello and welcome back to another episode of Relationships Are Underrated. I am one of your hosts, Trip Kramer. Well, what about me, Jonathan Asley? <laughs> well, I was waiting for you to say something. Well, I thought you were going to say alongside of me. <laughs> see, see, this is this is how rusty we are. <laughs> it's been a year. I've been, I've been recording podcasts over at How to Talk to Girls, and that's still going. But I haven't done one of these. We haven't we haven't done this in. I just looked. It's, it was kind of sad. I didn't, I didn't think it was that long, but it was August 9th was the last release of our last episode. Wow. Well, you know, I've been recording over at What Would Love Do, uh, my podcast, and certainly both of our YouTube channels. So we've been pretty busy. And then I'm excited to do this because I, when we agreed to um, host a podcast talking about relationships in particular, I was really happy to talk to couples because I'd like to think you know, we have a little bit of wisdom to pass on and not the critical wisdom that some people do or the judgmental wisdom. I actually, that can't be critical and judgmental can't be wisdom. <laughs> I think right. we come from I, life I, I experience. Think it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yes. Yes, totally. Me being 38 now and you, uh, 60, I'm a 61? I'm a late baby boomer, early Gen Xer. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, come on. Come on, what's your age? 61? 60. You turned 60 last year. Yeah. Wow. So you'll be 61 in a month. You're August 1st, right? Yeah, and I don't want to talk about it, so stop it. <laughs> Hold on. Are you August 1st, though? Yes, I am. Look at that. Look who remembers. What's my birthday? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Give me a month. Give me the month. Uh, April? No. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, oh, I want to say near 17th or so. No, 7th or 17th or. Eh, close enough. April 11th. But Yeah. Well, I was thinking it had a one in it. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm excited to be back. Maybe let's be honest. Let's just tell the audience, whoever's still around still, because <laughs> uh, we haven't done one in a year. Why haven't we done one in a year? What happened? Well, Beside the fact that you got married and you started to travel, you know, for us to do this, to find a, to find the time for us to actually block out at the same time began to be a challenge. Number one, I also think we, um, because you got married, I found a significant relationship. I actually moved in with someone, um, which would have been good reasons to have the podcast. I just think our lives kind of diverged a bit from the way it used to be, at least our, in our, in our interactions, I met you and I, that it um, made it challenging. So when we finally agreed to do an episode, we like, okay, this is locked out on the calendar. This is blocked out and yeah. we cannot, you know, we can't bail on it. On my end, it was, I um, mean, for the past year in trip advice, it's just been crazy. And I will be honest, I, I put this as it was the lower priority because it was a new project and it got very busy, especially really it's funny because I look back because I was like, oh, wh when did when did we stop? I don't even remember. And it was August. That made perfect sense. August is when Megan and I were preparing for our move. We were yeah. leaving. We left September 1st. So we were getting our place ready to rent. And then once we were out in September, we were moving around we were in nashville and then we were in mexico then we were in austin and i remember when i got to nashville that was when i was working on scaling for trip advice 
So I was doing so much hiring and training. And I was on top of that doing consulting. Like I was, people were coaching me through the process of scaling. So I remember at that time, I was doing so many, I was doing everything in the business, right? I was still taking onboarding calls for people who were signing up for coaching. I was training uh, other on, uh, team, training a whole sales team, doing coaching for myself. It was crazy. So I'd imagine at that point, I was like, oh, Jonathan, I can't do it. Like, we got we to gotta move yeah. it. We got to move it. And it just became this uh, super low priority. And I think for the past few months, we just forgot about it until recently. We're like, let's do this again. And now I have the bandwidth to do it. So I, I, I really hope, and this is not just a one-off. I want it, like I'm saying this to you, Jonathan, like yeah. I want to, if we're doing this now, if we're not going to continue to do this, then what's the point of this episode, right? I just want to keep on doing this with you, even if it's just like once a month yeah. and keep this going and, and make it back on the priority list. I want to jump in because you said something that kind of relates to our topic today. You moved and you had several moves with your partner. Yes. And, and folks, I say the word partner, you know, whether you call it girlfriend, your spouse, you know, in your case, you had several moves. And at the same time, in September of last year, my girlfriend and I moved in together. So she moved in in September. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, now and that kind of changed my life too, uh, in for a variety of different ways. And, and I thought, well, we were going to do a topic about living together. It kind of is an interesting dynamic for you because you had several moves going on. And in my particular case, I went from being single for almost, uh, or not living with some, I hadn't lived with someone since my, my wife, which was, you know, the how last many, time how we many lived, years? that was 2005. Whoa. Okay. So 18 years. Yeah. So, and while I was in a significant relationship and I spent four days a week, you know, we've spent four days a week together, there's a completely different dynamic that happens when you live with someone. And it's interesting. So I want to share with you a perspective I have, and I'd like to get your take on that. Okay. So, you know, I'm a dating relationship coach for women, you know, so, and I only bring that up in the context of, I talk about actually quite a bit of my conversations is more about relationships than it is the meeting of people. I would say I spend more time talking to women who are in relationships. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's interesting because I've witnessed, Tripp, I've witnessed that you really don't get to know someone until you live with them. And so in the thinking about the dating process, you know, a lot of people they are in the relationship process. People will live and have in separate residence. They get together, they have a good time, and then they go back to their separate residencies. And it's great because each time you get together, it's a little bit of a bubble. You have a good time together. And maybe, you know, some couples that have conflict right from the get-go centers around whether they, they'll commit or not, or whether they're capable of communicating their emotions. It's always a bubble, even when you're, you know, you're dating and you're you've been together for a year or two, we call it dating. You've been in a relationship, excuse me, for a year or two. It's still a bubble. Whereas when you're actually in that person's space day in, day out, you really get to see how they operate as a person. So my point is, is I'm starting to have an interesting realization. Would it behoove people to move in early? See if they're actually compatible versus a long drawn out, you know, process of dating, if you will, 
What about living together right from the get-go? I know that sounds kind of radical, but I'm throwing that out there. Okay, so let's get specific then. Okay. How soon are you talking? <laughs> if two people, okay, my perception is- if you, you know, can, the logistics of that yes. are not necessarily easy. You got two people who are probably renting. I would say that's yeah. going to be the majority. Yeah. Maybe one person owns. So- you got two people who are probably renting, so we're talking about having to line it up perfectly. But anyway, what's your answer here? So, okay, so I, I'm in agreement with you. How Except soon? I want to say if you've been re spending regular time together for three or four months, okay, this is radical what I'm about to suggest. You've been having regular sex together. You've agreed that you're going to explore a relationship together. Well, then live together to see if you're actually really compatible with one another. Now, logistically speaking, you're absolutely right. This is going to be complicated, especially if you're in my age demographic, you have children, you know, and so forth. Um, maybe you don't necessarily live near each other. That's another complication. I was actually um, interesting. I want to share this with you. There's a mutual person you and I follow named Destiny. And he was sharing uh, during a recent conversation I had with him. He said, lesbian couples move in right away. That's like a common thing for lesbians to do. And I, and you know, why do you audience, think that is? I think they're just more, they're freer. They're not as caught up in the whole, you know, masculine and feminine dance, you know, or male female dance. I don't know. Will. I don't know if that's it. I've also heard that lesbian relationships are super passionate. Could be. Yeah. I don't so know. Maybe, maybe that's another reason too. It's like, they're just, it's so passionate. They're like, let's move in. Yeah. Let's do this. So at the same time, if they, if they, now, if they find out they're not really compatible. Okay. So they've spent maybe six months, eight months together and they can move on. You know, what's yeah. funny, Jonathan, you, maybe it's, it's been a minute since we've talked, but yeah. I don't see you. I don't remember you as a person who gives such radical advice. I feel like I'm the one in this relationship between you and I, where I'm the one giving more radical advice because I'm going to actually, I agree, but to an extent. So first yeah. I'll say this is that I agree with you and we're talking about living together is such a big deal because living together is the ultimate test. Living together, yeah. what's the difference between living together and being married? It's not that much different other than the I government. Agree. The government has control over your life. Yeah, a ring, right? So- <laughs> I'd say the biggest parts of any relationship are moving in together and having a child. Yes. Everything else is, is below that, right? Obviously getting married is a big deal. Yeah. You know, cause it's now you're in this contract with the government. Yes. But you've already been probably living together, at least in, you know, today's day and age, people are doing that more often. And so living together, I agree is a big deal. I don't think, though, that people should be living together earlier than a year. But if you can get to that year point, then I think that would be ideal, right? So let's say you've been dating nine, 10 months. It's going really well. You're like, all right, this is obviously going well. There would be no reason for us to break up in the next couple months unless something just out of nowhere happens. Yeah. So at that point, I would think about, okay, let's talk about moving in together. Let's take that next step. 
the thing is, Jonathan, too, we should we should talk about this is because yeah. you and I seem to somewhat agree on moving in together early to to see what happens because because that's when you're really gonna know. Yeah. But what if you bring it up to your partner and everything's going really well, but then you freak them out. They go, Oh, live together. We haven't even been dating a year, or maybe it is exactly a year, and it's like oh, we've only been dating for a year. How would you handle something like that? Well, my first reaction, if someone freaks out, then I would want to identify what is the fear that's happening with the freak out because Ah, I suspect it's that they're not invested in this relationship. So I've observed, at least in my age demographic, we have a, a... a propensity to desire companionship, desire connection, desire sex without the corresponding commitment. I see that as the primary challenge for those. Well, actually, your age demographic as well. I'm talking about the 20 and 30-year-olds. I think the idea of living together is kind of saying, look, I'm invested enough to say, you know, through thick or thin, you know, what are, you know, like the wedding vows to some degree, good or bad, thick or thin, I'm in this. Okay. I think when people freak out, it's because they're not actually all in. And now this begs the question, when does a person become all in? Well, it used to be at my parents' generation, you know, it used to be out throughout history. If you wanted to have sex, you got married, right? That was kind of throughout history. And if, and if you wanted to live together, get married. Yeah, exactly. And, and even in ancient times, there wasn't even marriages. They just lived together and they made babies together. But there was this level of commitment. I think the real challenge with relationships today is you can passively enter into a re- dynamic with another human being without being all in. And because of that, that all in, like, I'm going st- to, I, I want to see this work. I think that's one of the challenges. Now you're going to probably say, well, do you really know a person well enough in a year? I think people aren't really actually learning how to get to know another human being well enough to know this. And they should. Yeah. That most relationships are transactional, they're conditional, and it requires entertainment to keep the relationship going without really building deeper intimacy with one another. And I know I just threw a can of worms at you. No, no, that's, that's all good. If you're doing it right, if you're doing the relationship right, I feel you should be knowing that person pretty well at around nine to 12 months. Okay. That's assuming that you weren't doing some bullshit situation ship for three to six months and, you know, all over the place. But if you really gave it a good shot from the get-go, you know, you were exclusive at around two, three, four months. And then from up to nine to 12 months, you've been really getting to know them and meeting their families and meeting their friends and, and looking out for the things that would require a good relationship. And if all those tests have been passed, then at that point, it would make sense to take that next step and then start that process. And I agree because if you're at around, listen, I've been in many relationships before, right? I, I've been at least, in, I think it's, what, what did we say? Five or six relationships 
And and by the way, <laughs> when I say five to six relationships, I mean long-term relationships. So that's why I can speak to a lot of this stuff. Not like, oh, I dated a girl once for a couple months and another one. Like yeah. these were all one year or longer. Work. Yeah. Yeah. One year or longer. And so I've seen all the different patterns, right? So yeah. in around six months, maybe even earlier, you're saying I love you. So that means that by nine months to a year, you have said I love you. That's a pretty big deal. So now we're at nine to 12 months. You said I love you. The person has probably said it back. What reason? would they have, unless it was a red flag, to not entertain the idea of, hey, maybe we should start living together. Logistics aside, right? Logistics aside. So at that point, there should be, and by the way, I in one of my relationships, that did happen. I moved in at around the year mark, and it made perfect sense. And I believe that <laughs> and then another relationship, that was the, the kind of funky one. We did Oh, that I was changed. actually early. You guys moved we, in. Yes, you, we you moved, moved in together in like together. six months. Yeah. But it wasn't permanent. And at the same time, you really found out who this person was. And I, I think sure you did. would agree. Thank God. You wished you had done that sooner. So let me tell you where my hypothesis was birthed. My girlfriend and I were watching the show Love is Blind. We actually binged watch several seasons. Oh, yeah. Same here. Megan and I have both. By the way, hold, hold, wait, we haven't even talked about that. You're in a relationship what's her name can we get a little background oh sure before we so, continue? Uh, just a quick yeah so i i actually met my my beloved at your uh, well flying out to chicago to officiate your wedding i had been and i live in los angeles so you live in chicago i had been communicating with someone who lived in chicago through a dating site we only spoke maybe a you know a dozen times in the course of a year so it wasn't this you know great big build-up or anything and I said, hey, I'm going to be in Chicago for a wedding. Would you like to meet? And she agreed. And we had a, we met for drinks one night. And I said, would you like to join me at the wedding? She said, sure. Actually, she said no at first because she didn't want to be a plus one. But I convinced her to you know, sneak in after dinner. <laughs> You're welcome. And we, yeah, well, I would have preferred to have her at dinner. Uh, my friend. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, you know, asking, you know, so late in the I game, know, trying know, to create a spot for you, but you know. I know. So anyway, we really hit it off. She came to visit me two weeks later, and we began, you know, really in, intentionally exploring a relationship. And we agreed that if this was going to work, we should live together. So by the time we first met till the time we moved in was five months. Now, part of that was just logistics was the the challenge, um, and and it's been a year. We, it's been almost a year together that we've lived together. Nine months, excuse me. So that's my background. During this time, we binged watched a show called Love Is Blind. Okay, we're back. Okay, so really quickly for the audience, I just want to give you the cliff note version of the context. These are fifteen uh, men, fifteen women. They are in an experiment where you're in a a pod next to another pod, but there's a wall that separates the two people. So a man and woman can connect to, uh, without visually seeing each other. And they're coordinating, they're connecting with a variety of different people. And after about a couple days, you start narrowing it down based on what you've been talking about to start to connect with one person. I think this experiment lasts about 10 days, this pod piece of it, roughly 10 days. Okay. And it culminates with where Typically, one person asks the other to get engaged, and if they agree to it, 
they get to meet each other and then they go on a brief holiday together for a week. Okay. And then after this week holiday, and they're doing it with other couples, you get to visually see them for the first time because love is blind. And then you move in together for eight weeks to see if you're really compatible. And what's fascinating is the majority of people that thought they had a real connection with each other because all they did was talk basically through a wall or over a phone like a lot of people do. In the majority of cases, they found out that they weren't really compatible with one another. So in an eight-week, 12-week period, they realized that this isn't the person that I thought they were. Okay, so what's your point in bringing this up? So this was curious to me, this incubator, if you will, what happens. And so you really don't get to know a person until you live with them. So what if all relationships, if two people agree to be physically intimate with each other, and I'm saying this in a, in a, in a hypothetical sense, what if they had to live together to see if they're actually compatible? Like this was the, this was the standard. This was the norm. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I like what you're saying here. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> However, there's one aspect to be fair to what you're, to the comment you're making uh, yeah. that has to be said. It's not just, you got to realize they come out of the pods and they live with each other and they're spending time together. Yeah. Where it's like the pods are these, I mean. Well, it's kind of like online dating today. What is it? Where we, most people communicate via yeah, text messaging. Uh, they're spending some time together, but it's like they're, actually getting to know each other more physically and intimately. They're actually doing things together other than talking. They're seeing how they interact in the real world versus just like this kind of, yeah, like you said, almost like an online thing, except it, you're not typing, you're just talking. Yeah. Uh, and you have no idea what they look like. So I just think that this situation is not just, oh, they're living together soon. It's like they're also spending time together like actually together in person. But I hear what you're saying, because your point is, and I do agree, what if we could fast forward the process? Yes, exactly. And live together, live with your person sooner to really see. Now, it's interesting because I want to talk about my parents' generation, yeah. which is almost your actually my parents generation is basically you they're boomers as well so we can no, talk my, about my, my dad is 30 years older than your dad <laughs> right so my grandparents are your parents and yes. so that generation they would say absolutely not my grandparents would be like what you're living together and not being married that just yeah. unheard of why are they saying that What's their argument for that? Or maybe just what they know? Well, I, I believe that there's some value to what I'm about to say right now. This was a generation where there was a consequence if two people were physically intimate and a baby popped out. Okay? So less birth control. Yeah, there was literally no birth control you know, 50, 60 years ago. That changed the dynamic. So my generation, there's a consequence. I think what this generation doesn't realize is there's a different consequence with having sex without commitment. And I know you might disagree with me. There's an emotional consequence for men and women to have multiple, multiple part sexual partners because I think it wears on their emotional well-being. 
I agree. And I think young and women in particular, because they tend to bond more through sex than men. I think men can go spread their seed and not get as attached. But for a woman, Jonathan, how dare you say that? Are you a misogynist? Oh, God. Oh, so women, women can't do that, but men can. Women have an have a have an easier time falling for someone and men can. I thought men and women were the same. Well, I'm, let me be I'm clear joking. about I'm, that I'm joking statement. Right. I know I'm you're joking, joking right now, but I want to No, no, I want to clarify something. You, whether you're a man or woman, I don't care what pronoun you have, you are welcome to do whatever you want from my vantage point. I am not saying this what you should do. Okay. What I've observed in so many cases that when we have sex with multiple partners, women in particular, they get attached to a person who may not want to commit, which is why I created a whole strategy about doing a better job vetting a person. This is what my whole coaching program is about, is how to vet someone so you don't invest in a person who's either incapable of commitment, isn't desirous of commitment. And quite frankly, I think you know, there's a saying, women are the gatekeepers of sex and men are the gatekeepers of commitment. You know who said that? No, who actually said that? I heard that. Kevin Samuels, the late Kevin Samuels. Oh, I heard that before him. So maybe he got it from somewhere, but... Yeah, exactly. The problem with men having an extraordinary amount of sexual partners, part of that is the emotional attachment, for sure. Another part of it is what happens when you're in a relationship. So imagine you're this playboy who's been sleeping with, I don't know, hundreds of women, and now you're in a relationship. That's going to mess you up in the relationship. Oh, so sure. you, you end up finding the relationship, and, and you don't care so much in the honeymoon phase because you're head over heels for the woman that you're with. In fact, I don't know what's happening. I don't know the science behind this, but you don't even look at other women. You're just so into your person. And then once the honeymoon phase leaves, and imagine you're a person who has now slept with hundreds of women, you might start getting that grass is greener. Oh, I miss my playboy days. I've been with so many women. It might mess you up. Oh, by the way, I'll also combine pornography with that too sure so if you've been watching a lot of porn you've been sleeping with a lot of women and by the way the way i describe that it almost sounds like a sex addict but that's your average that could that could be an average person i'm not saying your average guy has slept with hundreds of women that's that's not normal but that is a very possible plausible thing to happen and i'm sure there's many guys out there who have slept with at least 100 women watch a lot of pornography now they're in a relationship, and I think that that messes with their mind of who they're with. Can you say anything to that? Yeah, so there was a movie that came out in the 50s. Uh, I think Marilyn Monroe was in it called The Seven-Year Itch, and this relates to that age you know, demographic or that period. It was kind of back in the day that the first seven years was the honeymoon period of a relationship, and then you start getting the itch. But these are men who barely had sex with one or two women in their life. The women were virgins and, you know, you're in this honeymoon phase. I think today, even in my age demographic, the honeymoon phase lasts three months or six months at best. (laughs) No, I mean, 
I think it's super intense there. If you've had multiple partners for the man and there's pornography, I think you, the, you know, the initial stages can be really intense. And then there's a desensitized, I think they're desensitized, which is why the itch happens because (laughs) they're three month itch. Yeah. The relationship is missing true intimacy. It's missing trust. It's missing real connection. It's missing real friendship. And most importantly, it's missing true appreciation for your partner. I think the reason why they lose interest is they, they don't appreciate the person they're with both, both sides, by the way, I think that's the deeper problem. I've been really interested. And I, I just, before we, uh, before we got on this call on this podcast, I was answering my Q&A that I do on Instagram where people ask me questions. And I mentioned something about arranged marriages. Yeah. It wasn't someone that asked me about arranged marriages. I just commented and said something. I forgot what the question was. But my point here is, is I've been thinking a lot about those lately. Because did you know, Jonathan, I'm going to read this. Yeah. In the US, while the divorce rate hovers around 40 or 50%, the divorce rate for arranged marriages is 4%. Hmm. In India, where some estimate that 90% of marriages are arranged, the divorce rate is only 1%. Now, that's just a little blurb of data. Do you want to know why? I don't know too much about it, but it really intrigues me. And it's very related to what we're saying here. So... Okay, I am I am intimately interested in this part of our conversation. So because that's basically what we're talking about here, right? It's these these marriages that are match made, yeah, and they're people who are, <laughs> in lack of a better term, forced to be together, yeah, and get married right away. Go ahead. So what's different about that dynamic versus traditional Western dating, mating, or relating is that a Two families get together. I'm talking parents of the, the, the bride and groom get together and talk first about each other. So to see if the families kind of actually get along. Okay. And in this demographic, most of the time they're of the, they're the same ethnicity, the same culture, the same tribe, the same caste, all of this. So there's already some built in foundational principles, cultural principles that are already aligned. Okay. Yeah. There's almost pre-vetting. Pre-vetting. Exactly. Yep. And in this dynamic, the family are an actual integral part of the success of the relationship. Okay. Now I'll take a slight, slight twist on this. So that's the reason why they tend to be really strong. In fact, interesting. You might want to hear this, uh, trip. When I came to your wedding, when I came to visit you and I took a cab ride uh, to um, meet Marie into the city, I spoke to, I believe he was Pakistanian or another, I don't know exactly where. I, for some reason, I keep thinking Pakistanian, but it might not. He was in arranged marriage. And I asked him, I, we, we got a conversation. I asked him about it. And what he said to me is, I love being in an arranged marriage because our family are an integral part of the success of our relationship. So if you ever watch the show Indian Matchmaker or Jewish Matchmaker on Netflix, 
There's a similar, even though this is not families getting together initially, there's a matchmaker putting people together in the Jewish or in the Indian show. But with the Jewish matchmaking, I've never seen it, even though I oh. am Jewish. It's not arranged. No, they're not arranged marriages. It's just However, matchmaking in the Jewish community. The first date in the Jewish matchmaking show is both parents getting together with the children. That's the first time they meet each wow. other. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, great. And then the brothers <laughs> come in and like, they're asking the guy, so what's your intentions with my sister? Like there's literally a consequence associated with, you know, non-committal behavior. Like, I mean, like uh, it's something I say in my videos, ladies, wouldn't you like to have a man, your brother with a shotgun pointed at the guy's face saying, what's your intentions with my little sister? Because there's a consequence if you use a person. Yeah. And today we tend to use people more for self-centric reasons than actually honorable reasons. So coming back to the show or what you're talking about, arranged marriages, yeah, they're you deeply know rooted Jonathan, in family. As I zoom out of our conversation, as I look at what we're talking about, yeah, man, it's we're no pun intended marrying this idea between traditional values, yeah, and the values of today, which there are no values. Yeah, I, I, it, I was my word was going to be chaotic. Yes, <laughs> you know? it's like it's all over the place. It is. It is definitely more self-centered. Yeah, I was going to say narcissistic, but that's 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 a term that that's a term that should not be thrown around. No, most humans are self-centric, self-centered, yeah. self-centric. And listen, I am of that demographic. I'm yeah. a millennial. I was raised by my parents. It was all about me. And we were, I, you, know, you know how many trophies I had, Jonathan? <laughs> Participation trophies? I had about like, I think I had maybe like a dozen trophies. Oh. You know how many trophies of those I actually earned from like doing something of somewhat of substance? Like one. Yeah. It was when I came in first place in the father-son pool league <laughs> in, in, in our division, which I'm still proud of to this day. Uh, and the other 11 trophies were just handed to you every year because you You're participated. Yeah. Right. So you were just made to feel so special. It's like, I think I was just raised by the hippie era, you know? And I think for young women, if I can jump in, you got trophies for participating. And I think young women today, if they post a picture on Instagram and they get 500 likes, you know, or 1,000 likes for a photograph, yeah. there's this vanity for girls men too i mean mostly yeah. it's women men don't get as much attention online as women but but even so men are still getting we're all still getting more attention today because of social media and it's i agree it's it's messing up the psyche a little bit here because it is me 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 i mean i don't know the stats on this i heard from someone say this once and whether it's true or not, it's still someone said it. So it's interesting that they would say, which was you ask your average, it was like you ask your average uh, Gen Z or ask them like what they want to do for, for a living, what they want to do for work. And they say, influencer, I want to be an influencer. Yeah. Like, like, that, like that's the most popular job. And it just makes me laugh. It's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? You have the internet and 
we can now use the internet to, to do that. And what is an influencer? It's someone who, in a sense, is me, 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 me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm practically guilty of it too, right? I mean, well, you and I, I are both are pseudo celebrities in our own right with, and, and yet at yeah, the it's same called time, trip advice. That's my yeah, name. Yeah. It's and, in the, it's in the, in the title. I am an influencer, but the thing is interesting. I never tried. Well, this to is a business influencer. where you're trying to help people. So let's be right. clear and vice versa. And the same for me. I know in these, in, it's interesting because God, if you just like, if you told your dad, you should tell your dad. It's, uh, you should tell your dad he's, who you said he's 98 years old. Yeah. You should you should tell him. First, ask him. He's going to say no. Go, do you know what an influencer is? Uh, maybe he'll say yes. He'll say no. And then you'll tell him. And he's just not going to comprehend it. I can barely comprehend it because an influencer is just a person being who they are and living their life and we and in social media get a sneak peek into what they look like and what they and sorry, not what they look like what they're doing like a general influencer is your average average influencer is a woman who just shows like where she shops and what she does and 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 her lifestyle and all that stuff it's just crazy so yeah the, so the, i want to bring me. this back to living together because yes what's happened is is that in relationships, in human pair bonding, okay, if we're operating from a me, 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 or, you know, I'm getting recognized because I showed up on the baseball field with some participation, most of the time, what's missing in our dating process today is actually caring about the other person on the very first date. It's mostly about what can I get instead of how I can give. Now, I don't mean that paying for date isn't giving and ladies think by showing up they're giving because they put on makeup and everything. That's not real giving, okay, in my world. I'm talking about actually caring about the other person's feelings, like almost to the extent that your behavior has consequences. So if you're operating from a self-centric place, and you're honest with people. Like a lot of people are honest. Look, I'm not looking for a serious relationship. I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, let's just give it some time. Let's see where it goes. One person can get attached to a person that may not have some real sincere intentions. And if you don't have sincere intentions and this relationship ends and then it happens again and again and again, Dating and relationships trigger the number one emotional health issue for people. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not likable. And what happens is, particularly I notice for my female clientele, they become bitter and jaded, disappointed, overly picky, and it just perpetuates a more challenging way to actually ever meet someone to move in together since we're talking about moving in together. And on top of that, Jonathan, for both men and women, dating becomes an addiction because yeah. now we, we can date on hyper mode because of yeah. online dating. Yeah, because of apps. Because of apps. But also, I'll even throw some other things in there. We're all making a little bit more money. It's a little bit easier to get a flight. You can fly places, just like general technology, you know. We have so much information at our fingertips. Men and women alike are learning dating advice and relationship advice. So I'll say on my end, the men who are out there who are single can learn and have been learning how to be better at meeting women. So 
add all this in together, yeah, you're just meeting so many people. Yes. And how fun is it to meet someone new and have that love addiction and be able to have sex with somebody new and then, uh-oh, it doesn't work out. No problem. I'll just do it again and I'll find someone else. Right? It becomes this, this really terrible addiction. So I think what we're saying here on this episode, and it's funny because as you were talking just a second ago, I was like, didn't we talk about moving in together? And we did on episode four. Oh, <laughs> so we did. Is, <laughs> we did. How many episodes have we done? <laughs> Probably 20. Two, and this is like 23. Okay, and so I, we're coming I, I, full, full circle. Yeah, but you know what? This episode, I, I, I think, is different. Unless we said this on, on, on episode four. I don't think we did. This is not just about all the little intricacies of moving in together. I think it's something bigger. I think it's something deeper. I think this is about yes. not fucking around when you're oh. trying to meet somebody. Oh, I'm that's, so that, happy you said that, my friend. Well, that's what I'm gathering here, right? Like That's what yeah. this is about. This isn't about like, so how do you bring it up? And da, da, da. all those are important. I'm sure we talked about that. In yeah, we talked four. about more the, the, the practicality. This is more the concept of living together. Yeah, and, and going even deeper, right? it, it's about going into the, the dating process and taking it more seriously. That's why our somewhat agreeable advice is to get into a situation where you can move in with them faster. Yours is a little bit sooner than I would say. I'm more towards the year. You're going more towards three to five months. But the idea is if you can get to know someone faster and living together will do that, then you can really know what's going on instead of having this drawn out situation. Or like I said earlier, even worse, the whole opposite of what that is, is a situation ship which is funny because that's a new term these days. And there's a, uh, as I think about it, it's like, why are people saying that? Like what, why is situationship this new thing? Why are the Gen Zers saying that? Well, because guess what? That's what dating is, Jonathan. It's casual as fuck. Yeah. It's you just going, well, I'm kind of seeing someone drawing it out and okay we're sleeping together and what's going on because i'm sleeping with three other people and it's drawn out so what is it well it's not a relationship because we're not exclusive and well it's a situationship right and that i think is what is really messing with uh with men and women alike so First off, you are spot on, my friend. And I've often said dating today is just a long, drawn-out version of friends with benefits. And you're not really good friends to begin with. Uh, (laughs) That's what I've observed. I have a new theory that this conversation has prompted me to uh, uh, invite to our audience. And that is, you've been dating for three or four months. You like each other. You've agreed to monogamy and exclusivity. I say you live together for one month, you know, in one or the other person's home. You find a way to maybe even you go rent a separate place or something. You know, you keep your respective home, but you'll live together for 30 days to see how well you really get along for that period of time. And then you say, look, does it make sense? to really explore this long-term or short-term. What do you think about that idea? We're going to start a business. Yes. I'm trying to think of something clever. 
Yeah, you know, like they move into an Airbnb together. Aaron Airbnb, Airbnb together, excuse me. Kind of the way Love is Blind does. Love is Blind puts you in a separate home together for eight weeks. Yeah, but that's free. So just yeah. remember, just remember what people are paying now for rent. Well, what's the price of an, well, here's a question to invite everyone to explore. What's the cost to you emotionally spending one year with a person only to have it be, you know, it doesn't go the distance. What's the emotional cost? Yeah. It's a great, I, I would think if this thing existed where you can just temporarily move in with someone for a month or however many months you want, what a great investment. What a great investment. So you can see, okay, if this, is something that could work. Technically, wow, I think we just solved it. You could just do that. If you had the the resources and wanted to invest in that, you could just say to your your partner or your girlfriend, hey, let's get an Airbnb around the area for one month. Let's live together. Figure it out. So basically anyone could just do that. Yeah. Now I'm gonna get flat I'm gonna get flack. But Jonathan, I'm in a long distance relationship and we can't do that. Well, guess well, what? Well, guess what? You're an idiot for being in a long distance relationship. Without and if you a are, plan. Without a plan. Yeah. And if you are, God, I just pissed off so many people. Well, good. <laughs> because because well, why are you doing that? Well, I was in the long distance, so let's be clear. And I do think, by the way, I think people are still idiots. Let me just piggyback on getting Well, Jonathan, flat. I think that you were an idiot too. I mean, I, I'm happy for you that you guys got together and made it work. Well, we, by the way, we spent 45 days of our first hundred days physically in each other's presence. We literally spent more time than the average person because she would stay. That's why why I wasn't an idiot. Yeah, that's why it worked out. Most people are probably not doing that. Also, it's funny that with how many long distance relationships there are today, it's like funny. It's like, well, we can now meet people so much easier. Why even settle for that? But anyway. And also with long distance relationships, it's like, yeah, okay, never mind. Let's let's get off the topic. So, if you f- have found yourself in a long distance relationship, more reason to do that, to spend that time together, to get that one month Airbnb. This is good, man. Yeah, this is good. This is. Would you have done that? I would totally do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, you um, had a home where actually Megan could literally moved in with you for a month. In the beginning. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm just realizing now, as we're working this out, I guess that could just happen. Someone could just move in with you. You don't have to get One an Airbnb. Person, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, if, if, depending on your circumstances. So, because the, what this forces people to do is be intentional. Let's However, be intentional. I, see, I see a problem. Okay. It's one month. Let's say, let's say they do it for one month. Yeah. Uh, you kind of know that after the month, like you, you know, it's a month. Yeah, isn't that you know? Look, Love is Blind. As much as it was an experiment, they weren't like, okay, we're just going to do a month together. It was they were moving in together. Yeah, they were getting married. There was an endpoint. So I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if this would work. Well, I think in a month, if you start to see some problems, you can identify problems. And then make a choice. Or is this something we're going to work on? Because because quite frankly, most people are dating 
ambivalent. They're dating with a lack of direction. There's no intentionality. It's all about entertainment and physical pleasure. There's no coming back to the the arranged marriages and those matchmaking shows. There's a real intentionality because there's a consequence to one failed relationship after another, after another, after another. Or or let me just reframe that. One, and I use the word failed. I'm going to say one encounter that doesn't work out and another encounter that doesn't work out and another encounter works out. This messes with your emotional psyche. And I'm advocating for more intentionality. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. And and it, it couldn't hurt, even if it's just a month. It couldn't hurt. It's funny. The Airbnb situation would only happen if both people had roommates. That's when you would do that. And then if one person lived alone, or both people, whatever, you just decide who can move into the other person's place, and you do it temporary, and you, and you just see what happens. But Jonathan, this was a very fun episode. Yeah. I enjoyed chatting with you. I, <laughs> I, I, let's do it again. Yeah. No, I think it's time it's funny, that we get on. Because relationships are not underrated, overrated. They're critical components to the emotional well-being of an individual. They are underrated. Yeah, they are underrated for that reason. So I would love to do this again. Let's get this on the calendar sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's funny because I remember some of our last episodes, you and I were, what's the phrase? Going teeth and neck? Is that Oh, it? tooth and nail? I don't know. We were just going at well, each other. Well, there was friction. There was friction. Yeah. And hey, there, there still might be. But today was a lovely episode. Jonathan, if people want to work with you, specifically you work with, with women, who do you work with and where can they find you? Okay. So I predominantly work with women over 40. I, I call myself a midlife dating and relationship coach for women who are single looking for love and those who are in a relationship and need some real brotherly love there. Uh, They can find me at my website, jonathanasley.com, or they can go to my YouTube channel, or they can find my podcast called the What Would Love Do podcast. And usually from there, you Google my name on, and you can connect with me through Instagram and all those other good stuff. So yeah. Okay, cool. And if you are a male over 18, and you're interested in finding out more about my stuff, I have the How to Talk to Girls podcast, and then I have YouTube and Instagram, everything underneath the name Trip Advice. Trip is a two Ps. We also have a coaching program. The coaching program is called the Trip Advice Accelerator Coaching Program because it accelerates your dating life. It helps you meet women faster and build the skill set to be able to attract the kinds of women you want and have more choice. You can check that out at tripadvicecoaching.com. We would love a review here on the podcast on Apple. So if you have a moment, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. I know I used to make that mistake. And thanks so much for being here. Talk to you on the next episode. This is Jonathan Asley signing off. Trip signing off.